I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Welcome to the Dune Saga Podcast. Your hosts, David, Scott, and Jim, guide you through the chronological epic story of Dune. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Dune Saga Podcast. I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And on this episode, we're going to be discussing God Emperor of Dune. God Emperor of Dune. Of Dune. <laughs> uh, this with is, a loot. Yeah, with a loot. <laughs> God loot of Dune. Um, <laughs> this, this book takes place over 3,000 years after... Children of Dune, and we see Leto's transformation uh, way down the road. He's he's kind of a proto worm with just a little bit of humanity left, and uh, he's leading humanity on his golden path. And uh, not everyone's happy with that. Yep, and that's kind of his plan. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it in brief. Yeah, so. yeah. Now, my understanding uh, going into this, this was David one of your. Favorite, if not your favorite Dune book ever, it is, and it, it remains my favorite Dune book. So, uh, I mean, unless my opinions change when we read some of the newer ones right. down the road here, but uh, so far, this is still my favorite book. And here's 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 what I'm going to su- support that with. Did the, did you guys uh, have the forward by Brian on your on your versions? Yes. Yeah. Yes. In there, he says exactly what really sells the book to me, and I think why it stands out to me so much. He mentions that uh, when people would read the first three books, he would, um, you would get a sense of the the, the psychology and the, and the religion and the government issues in it. And every time you go back and you reread it, you kind of discover another angle of that hidden within the book. But God Emperor of Dune is a bridge between two trilogies, uh, one that was never finished, but a bridge between two two trilogies. And he said, this book, you read it, and when you finish, you realize that you've just absorbed a textbook, and you want to go back and study it rather than uh, when you read Dune, you read it for fun, and you kind of discover another angle. With this, it's it's very concrete, and you go back and you kind of you learn from it like you would learn from a textbook. Mm. And I was like, that's why I think I like it so much. It's so full of this. It's like, it's like someone just dropped the knowledge and it just kept going for 400 pages. Uh, but, um, yeah. Yeah. So remains, remains your, uh, top book. Yeah. So, um, now Jim, had, had, had you read this book before coming into it? Oh, many, many years ago. Yes. And uh, 
your your experience coming back to it again after all these years it was it was all new it was all very new um i had listened to the audio book uh quite a bit of it maybe three or four years ago but uh that doesn't stick with me like reading it uh what i did notice this time though is it seemed to me like there was a shift in writing style yeah um it uh you know i i didn't didn't enjoy the book before because it was just you know children of dune was just really too hard to read this one had a lot of the same in it but uh it wasn't uh, the story was a lot clearer and it wasn't buried in everything so much mm-hmm. yeah i would agree with it i i had never read this book before so, okay. this, so I came I came to this as a uh, I came to this with not only the the backing of of Herbert Stone but also of Anderson and Brian Herbert Stone uh, informing some of the story and this of course has informed um, for those of you that are kind of jumping in on the podcast we started this podcast looking at everything for the most part chronologically except for the school books which have been coming out. Uh, since we've been doing this podcast. And so we'll, we'll hit those, but we'll hit those at the end. And those will be the only ones we do really out of order. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and so because we started at the beginning, we, uh, I'm coming into this book with maybe a different knowledge of someone who had just read Dune Children and Dune Messiah. Um, that being said, I, I've commented to my wife the one time that, um, I listen to a lot of books running, you know, r- either, you know, running outside and not so much these past couple weeks has been freaking cold here, but, <laughs> but, yeah. you know, I, I listen to a lot of these running outside and, and I felt like I was listening to a philosophy book. There's a little bit, I mean, I, I, I like when I listen to stories to have sort of, some sort of plot driving it forward. And this did, but was also laden down with philosophy on government, religion, um, what people really want, exactly. You know, just yeah. it was all, the whole nine yards. Um, but and but it, it was in, in it was in a lot more conversational way. Yes, yeah, yes. In fact, I that's the other thing I thought about as I was reading this book. The, this book, there is action, but a lot of what drives this story forward are conversations people are having with each other, mm-hmm. and in those conversations, you're finding out about people, but you're finding out about deeper things going on in the kingdom of Leno, right? right. Um, and I, I debated for the longest time how I enjoyed this book. And when I got to the end, I realized I realized when I would get to school, like I listened to it on my way to work as well. Um, and I teach English for those of you who don't know. Um, and I would get to school and I didn't want to stop listening. Yeah. And that was a good indicator that that book had kind of wrote me in by the end. Yeah. So. That's how I felt it when, when I was reading. I, I was just like, ah. Oh. I don't want to end, but I've been reading for a while now, and I'm I'm not absorbing the information as deeply as I want to. Like I have to stop. Uh, but it, one thing that I picked up on this time through, because uh, when I read it, I was a I was a, a or originally a, a teenager, and um, so it's a little bit different, you know, having a more of a mature sense to it. But anyway, that I realized that this whole story takes place in like what like a month or two. Like it's extremely short, yeah. But it feels like it's over like a long length of time, because he, it, you know, he he kills the Duncan, 
He gets the new one later, like in a day or two. And then they go to that festival, which lasts like 10 days or something. Yeah. Majority of the book is at, is at this festival. And then uh, there's a short period of after that up just leading to the wedding, which happens. He mean he meets her there, and then they they run into the into into the wedding. So it's kind of an interesting uh, way, like the way to think of it. Oh, this 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 four hundred pages, nothing really happens. And the reason people think nothing really happens because it's such a short period of time. Right. I mean, when you compare it to. Uh, Children of Dune, or or even or Dune, Dune. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're spending we're spending a year year or so in Dune, or is it not quite that long? I think I thought it was like more like I want to say two. Four. I want to say two years. But Is, isn't it three or four? Because because <laughs> uh, um, what's her face? <laughs> Sister, Alia. Alia is old enough to like walk around. She's old enough to like prick the the um. And she's born, so there has to be yeah. Yeah, to be, it's yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's a while. Yeah. Well, unless she came out of the womb walking, she did everything else coming out of the womb. So <laughs> she's probably a toddler there. And yeah, instantly, <laughs> instantly walking. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I don't yeah. envision it that way. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so let's talk. I guess let's uh, let's get 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 into God Emperor a little bit. Um, let me tell you, can I start off with something that bothered me? Yeah, let's, let's the, do it. Um, didn't bother me about the book, but one of the struggles I had throughout the entire book, and I think maybe this was Herbert's intention, um, was I really struggled what to think of Leto. I, I, I wrestled with whether I liked him, yeah. whether he was really looking out for the best humanity or he was domineering over controlling manipulative which he was and i mean i really debated up to the end what i really how i really felt about later the second uh what do you got what do you think uh jim why don't you go first i've got an answer but why don't you go first you know and i completely agree scott i had the same the same feelings i didn't like him at first well let me go back to the miniseries i liked him at the end of the miniseries so when I started reading the book, uh, I still liked him. And then I felt he was just really, really arrogant. You know, he, you know, I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. Uh, I, I can see this. I can do that. And and all this stuff. And I, I didn't like him very much. But yeah, it- as I got through the book and I started to realize that what he was doing was manipulating and getting things ready to be turned over to somebody else. The golden path needed to go to somebody else. Uh, Arrakis needed to go back to being Arrakis. And as he fell off the bridge, I found, I found myself feeling very bad for him and very sorry for him for the way he died. Because I was disappointed that he didn't, didn't become this that he didn't become like the sandworm at the end. I mean, maybe the sand trout, sand trout. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and that was because of the sand, sand trout sloughing off. And you know, and and how else can you feel about a poor guy that if you pour a bucket of water on him, he just goes to pieces? Right. Yeah. A little bit like a little bit of a wicked witch of the west syndrome. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Going on in here. You know, I I I don't I don't relate directly 
I have the same feelings, but about Duncan. Like Leto, I always emphasized with. I was always like, I, I get, I get the the struggle that he put himself in. The you know he made this horrible choice and all these things he lost. And I guess I kind of saw him more through like Queen Ori's uh, like point of view of just like all that he's given up and and he's he, yeah he is uh, like bitter and he's condescending because he's given so much. Yet no one's capable of understanding what he's given. Not only that, no one cares what he's given because they just see him as this god. And there's been too much time has passed. That's like in the in the instance we live, we it's impossible to see our impact on humanity in the great scheme of things. Right. And and so uh, someone who lives three thousand years, uh, he, what what he's done and what he continues to do kind of loses its relevance because. He's always there. He's yeah. like he's like he's like your mom and dad that you don't really respect who you're much older and suddenly you realized how much you uh yeah. owe to them. What they sacrificed right. for you to you know, So it's do a little bit like that. Did. Yeah. No, I mean I I, I, I that's exact that's exactly it. So I, I mean I've always but Duncan Duncan, this guy that you just like admire all his qualities and so he comes into this book and he's just a whiny little boy. Like he's just he doesn't understand. He doesn't make an effort to to fit in or to to feel like he's part of of the society. I mean, I guess he does, but like he just he's just angry all the time. This angsty little teenager. And I don't know if that's it's supposed to be this foil for the way society is, but you really don't see how advanced the people are until towards the end when he like starts attacking uh, the Mojodarmo or however you say it, the uh, Maneo. Mm-hmm. And he just like dodges out of the way, and he's just like he's just an older model. Like humanity I, is better than you know. I'll tell you what, I couldn't disagree more about Duncan. Really? Yes. <laughs> and, I, and 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 let me explain why. Okay. Duncan came along when Paulus was uh, Duke, and was there while Leto was Duke. Or am I am I mistaken that? He was not there when Paul. He was if he was there with Paulus. He was there as a very young boy, and he was yes. accused of the whole bull thing. Right, but that was not. I mean, he wasn't really like in the service of. Right. Okay. Yeah, he was and, in the service of Leto. Okay. Well, at any rate, he and he hung out with Paul, and none of those three ever set themselves up to be a deity. Right. Okay. None of the Atreides had ever done that. The Atreides were always very honorable, uh, well, with, well, with the exception wait. of Paul. Well, what, what Paul I was going to say, Paul set himself but, up. To but be what a about what about his sister? Because he, I mean, isn't Duncan the one that gets married to? Yeah, but this isn't that Duncan. This well, it's a Gola in the series of. Yeah, but this Duncan only has memory up to where he died on Dune the first time, so he doesn't remember. He doesn't remember children of Dune. Okay. Dude, Messiah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he, I, I see. Duncan just did not see Leto the Second as an Atreides, and I, I agree. I agree with. I that. didn't either. And of course, with the memories coming back and coming back and coming back with each uh, iteration of Duncan, he would uh, he was disappointed to the point of being angry about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 
I guess for me, when I looked at, when I look at Duncan, I thought that he, his cat, I struggled with him too. And I struggled with Leto throughout most of the book. Uh, but I agreed. I think by the end, I kind of did feel for him, but for the, throughout a lot of the book, I just felt like I didn't know what to do with him. With Duncan, I, it flip flopped. I liked him at the beginning, but then toward the end, like, the controlled um, swordsman and guard that he was supposed to be just, I just didn't see that. He seemed too emotional for the Duncan that we had gotten yeah. to know after going to the Swordmaster school and, and coming back. And we see a little bit of emotion in, in Dune when he comes in drunk the one night and right. just totally, you know, bashes Jessica not literally, but you know, and yeah. and and apologizes on later for it. But um, other than that, you really don't. And again, but let, let me let me be fair about this. So we don't get much Duncan period in Dune because he's killed off, right? And so a lot of my perspective of Duncan is all prequel books. Mm-hmm. And that, and that is the other caveat that's playing into this. Um, we're reading, you know, Frank Herbert's portrayal. This is really the first deep portrayal that we have of Duncan from Frank Herbert's perspective. Am but I correct? It's, but it's not Duncan. It's a Gola. See, this is, this is something that I thought about when editing, when editing the other episodes. I think that the idea of a Gola isn't how do I say? It? I feel like you guys don't don't acknowledge it to the way that 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 Frank Herbert wants you to. That once he remembers himself, he is Duncan. He is Duncan. He's 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 a Gola, but he is Duncan. It's like imagine you had got hit on the head and had an amnesia for three years, and you created this new persona of yourself because you didn't know who you were, mm-hmm. and then one day you remember who you are. Well, you're, not, you're going to go back to who you were from birth. You're not going to be this. You might be changed, but you're at your core. You're still the you you were before you forgot your memories. Okay, and- so so then the original Duncan was killed at Siege Tabor, defending yeah. defending Jessica. And so, where are these other thirty five hundred years worth of memories coming from? Well, he doesn't, he, he, he doesn't have he, those. He, he, does, he doesn't really have those. Exactly. I mean, he, right. He, he, he. Well, so his memories pick up from from his last memory of dying there at Siege Tabar. Yeah. 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 He wakes that, up and it's how many thousands of years later, and here's right. this guy who set himself up as not only an emperor but as the god emperor of the universe. There's nothing right. he recognizes anywhere. Anymore, uh, I think that would tend to throw a person a little bit off. Well, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, I, I, I no, no, no argument that he's a fish out of water. I mean, he, he. I mean, it's like it's basically the equivalent of me going, picking up, and moving myself to Italy and saying, "Okay, here's my new life." Yeah. I, I, despite the little that I know of Italy, it's gonna be. Uh, I'll be in for a rude awakening. Right. Both cultural laws customs and everything um Mm -hmm. and 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 this is this is him and this there's no doubt um still still for duncan 
he has been thrown into so many new situations as a sword master. You'd think he'd be able to handle this at least to some degree. Yeah, there's uh, there's is, no callback to his sword his sword master history here. No, I mean it's something they bring up in Dune and they bring up in, in Dune well, Saya, there's, a, there's, there's there's a little bit of callback to it, only in that he's supposed to be an excellent marksman, and when he when he goes into that fight with Mineo and then loses profusely, and yeah, you know they 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 pay homage to it, but say that they've advanced way beyond the swordmaster, so it doesn't right. even matter. Swordmaster doesn't even matter anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's, he is struggling because they aren't allowing him to use those skills anymore. Right. So there is kind of that hearkening back. But I mean, yeah. I, as far as I completely agree that he doesn't see Leto as an Atreides. And I guess I think that's the whole point of the book is him coming to terms with the fact that Leto's not only no longer human, but he's no longer what he considers Atreides. And that uh, Sayana or uh, a girl. Yeah, you're gonna ask me that. I knew that. Jim, the girl's uh, name. The girl's name. So I, I want to say I, I keep thinking Butler C- and Jihad, but I said it. Siona. Siona. Siona thank Siona, you. Thank it. you. Yeah. Siona. Siona, but Siona is more of the classical Atreides. That is, and I think that part of that is is because uh, he sees the rebel rebel in her. I like I like the exchange between Leto and him, and he's and. And Leto's saying, like, the Atreides uh, were met, like, they have this rebel blood in them. And Duncan starts to say that he's never been a rebel. He's like, I'm sorry, who did you help overthrow the Emperor? Or, like, you know, who's, or who did you help, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. So, I thought that was... was And let's not forget the other thing that Duncan was really upset about. And that is when he discovered that he was going to be breeding stock. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. So, in other words, he he was supposedly not going to have any choice in the matter. Plus, being yeah. constantly chased by fish speakers all the time, you know. Yeah, I can understand why he's a mess. Yeah, he surprisingly freaks out at the end. like. Well, okay, one, the book gets oddly sexual right at the end, and two, right. Duncan focuses on it so much it's weird. Like, right. He goes to he goes to confront Mineo and he sees the the lesbianism and he just like they just don't drop that for a chapter or two. Right. It's just like a constant thing that they keep harking back to him being a problem. Even him climbing the wall there at the end. Yeah, and then There's that happens. Right. And yeah, you're like, like, whoa, where did this come from? This is not, <laughs> Herbert typically doesn't spend a lot of time in this stuff, but this became a part of this. Yeah. So I mean there was there was the talk between Leto and Hui, but uh that wasn't like these things, you know what I mean? This no. Is, that but wasn't explicit, but compared to the rest of the book, it was, yeah, it, was it was more. Right, yeah. right. So. Yeah. Well, you know, funny, this whole, you can understand Duncan not wanting to be used as breeding stock. The irony is, Leto kind of has told him he's going to be this. There is almost this romantic attachment to Siona at the end. Yeah. And so despite the fact that he's been balking at it, this golden path that Leto sees right. seems to be coming to fruition anyways. Yeah. And it, I, I, one of the things that I, I, I thought was uh, funny is that she fought against it almost more than he did. Like, I think if she would have been open to it, he would have, would have given in. But she says in one of the last lines of the book, she says, Leto will take some coaching and maybe there'll be love eventually. Like she's already like, we need to breed. Uh, right to keep keep things going and maybe you'll mm-hmm. love me eventually. Right. So 
Yeah. yeah it's interesting. Interesting, Jim, that I'm just going to do a little bit of crossover here. Jim, we're talking about the whole breeding of Duncan and Siona, and I just got off of watching a Babylon 5 episode oh. in season two where they're talking about breeding the psychics. Oh, um, and, 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 and the problems there and, and the diff and the, the fact that there's, there's psychics there. What do they call the psychics there? Is that, are they called the psychics? Well, they're, they're the, uh, uh, you, now I got to shift gears. Um, yeah, the psy, <laughs> the psychop, psychor. Yeah. The, yes. Yes. So psychor, right? So psychor is for, Teeps. yeah. Okay. So they're forcing them to breed against their will. And so some people are escaping. There's this whole rebel underground, like to help these people, like the, um, the railroad, underground railroad to help them escape to Babylon five. So that's the episode I was at. And then when we talked about this, this is like very similar. I mean, forcing them to breed and other Duncans have been forced to breed. He sees his stock running around, yeah. sees, uh, Jessica facsimile also running around. And this is yeah. all kind of waking him out a little bit. Yeah. Right. So Joseph chimed in in the chat room. He says, see, the whole thing about the Gola is the way I understand it. The Gola couldn't remember the person the Gola is made from. So when Duncan's Gola starts recalling the original Duncan, that can be for the for some reason. Uh, the original yeah. Duncan oh, that 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 DNA can for some reason. Yeah. 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 Sorry, uh, screen's a bit far away. Uh, but I think that uh, he's right. Dun well, Duncan was the first one, the first Gola to remember. Uh, I don't think we're done with that idea. I'll say that. So that's come up. we're gonna see that in future books. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just Duncan. Yeah. yeah. Duncan was the first one they figured out how to do it with. Through the immense emotional pain of having to choose between killing Paul and not killing Paul. Yeah. Um I did there was <laughs> there was one reference. So so Leto at one point withdraws and is going down a trip down memory lane about all people we could go visit. And there's one place that he begins to visit, and he begins to describe this lady. And I said, and I knew it before he said it, Norma Senva. We brought Norma Senva back in. And uh, I just remember loving Norma Senva in the Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson books. And yeah. so the fact that we get mention of her was just freaking awesome. Yeah, and how she created the the ships. Yep. Uh, another thing that I thought was interesting, similar type thing, is when uh, Siona's doing her – her journey, he mentions see the golden path and see what ha what could have been, and then he's like, "Do you see the machines? Do you see how they? Do you see how they ca they came for us?" Alluding to that, the machines came back and or would have come back, whether they were created by us or like Omnius somehow or something. But I, I thought that that was really cool, uh, a cool look. Yeah, I'm still waiting for a throwback to that story. <laughs> No, I'm sure we'll get it. <laughs> we don't. We don't know what they're doing on X, though. That's well, true. We get hints. Well, they have the no room. They've created right. the no room. We had to throw back to that. Which, yeah. which I was trying to remember and I couldn't. What novel did the no room appear in? Because mm. <laughs> I remember um, it had to be one of the house books. Yeah, it was. No, was it one of the? It was one of the house books. Was it? It was. I think it was House Harkonnen because. The Hark, because the Baron right. destroys it right. without knowing what it is, because uh, he has the no ship. Right. And the no ship, yes, that's right. Yeah. Well, see, now my understanding is, 
uh, is that on X they are working on a machine that will replace the navigators. Yeah, well, they're also they also created the no the no room as well. Yeah. So there was two things. They're working on the machine, but they're probably working on it in the no room. Now, if right. if they're working on this machine to replace navigators, it's going to have to be built as a thinking machine as the navigators were. Right. Right. So we're already we're already going against the tenets of the Butlerian Jihad. Yeah. Well, and Leto has been kind of skirting that anyway. Yeah. But you also notice at the very end of the, the very end of the book, there's there's a lot of information in the part that's not a chapter. That's that's at the very last thing you read is like a report from a Benny Gesserit, uh, and in it she mentions not only that that they have this technology from X that helps. It, she says I think she says something like it helps navigators. They don't, I don't know what that, you don't know if that means like they don't eat spice or whatever. And then she mentions how the spice from the worms is insignificant compared to the, uh, the fact that they already have a substitute from the Telexu tanks. And so that somewhere along the Amal thing has come to fruition from the Telexu. Yeah. So what that says to me is the machines are coming back. <laughs> well, and it gives it, it gives them an excuse in the future to not have to deal with Dune. Yes, and uh, in uh, I've heard rumors about what happens to Dune. Ooh, yeah, so. rumors. Well, well rumors. there there is no there is no more spice. The worms are gone. The planet is uh, the planet well, is green except for that area that Leto the Second lives in. Yeah, we do have some sand trout. That but are now, around. but now that he's died, it'll turn back into a, a back into the desert planet. Okay, and we do have some sand trout that are running around, right? Because, because of that, because of Leto. Yeah, yeah. And for whatever reason, the sand trout are more animal. He he said because he's part of them, right? So they're mm-hmm. they'll last longer. I don't know, but they also contain so. part of him, right? Yeah. Well, the next generation of worms, I think he says right in the book, are going to be able to think. Yeah, that's it. They'll, they'll become sentient because because of what they take from him. Right. Yeah. They'll they're, they'll be more intelligent. Yeah. Uh, than but just these. So. Light animals. So what this brings to mind for me is why in the hell did they want to terraform Arrakis in the first place? <laughs> well, I think well, at the begin at the end of of Children of Dune, it's inevitable. Like they've already they've already gone to the point where they can't stop it, right? And that that's why he's destroying the water because he just wants to slow it down. And it, now it has. But let's go back. We we got to go back to what is it? Uh, who is Leto Kynes? Leto Kynes' uh, yeah, father. Yeah, Leto Kynes' yeah. father. Uh, Pardo. So Pardo Kynes, he he was he was a terraformer. I mean that. He 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 had worked on what was it Seleucus Secundus to kind of begin to terraform that planet, right. um, and so when he got to Dune, he saw evidence that Dune had once been a green planet and believed it could be a green planet again. And he began the process because I mean that's what he felt called to, yeah. and with no malicious motivation, no golden path that he saw. He just said, "This is what needs to be done." He saw the the Fremen wanted it. Yeah, the Fremen. I mean, it, and there's no doubt 
the Fremen, as they were described earlier on, were very old, um, were very old, were very old and were very hardened by the, 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 um, environment they grew up in, but didn't necessarily, it wasn't always voluntary. They didn't always right. want to be that way. Right. But it was like a catch twenty two. It's like it's like us. Like there's times where technology is wonderful, but there's times that you just really want to just get away, get rid of all the technology that we have. Right. And it's like a catch twenty two. So they want the greenness, but when they get the greenness and the water and everything, they lose who they are, kind of in part yeah. of it. They become spoiled. Well, so we, this becomes like so. This is kind of this, a metaphor for our current society. The stakes yeah, are a yeah, lot higher so. than that, though. The stakes are way higher than that because. Not only do you lose a way of life, uh, but you lose the ability to travel through space. Yeah, but but what we've seen with Leto is he has weaned, I think that's part of the Golden Path, is he weans humanity off of space travel and off of spice. And he makes them like so enclosed... That they don't know anything, but the, like people don't really know anything but their planets. But I right. think his point was what he actually wanted to do for the Golden Path was to save humanity by eliminating prescience. Yes, there's yes. there's there's multiple levels. That's I think that's the main one by by eliminating prescience with like uh, Siona's ability to hide. Like the, the, now the Atreides blood has this. Ability where they're not able to be seen by prescient thought, which which is like a living no room. And then uh, beyond that, he he talks about uh, compressing humanity to the point that when he dies, everyone will want. Like he uh, he says that society had become complacent with what it was, and it wasn't growing. But people are going to want to be a like to leave their planet so much because they've never been able to that when he dies. Humanity will scatter further than it ever had been before, causing uh, enough diversity that the human race will continue so on. So it's like shaking a soda bottle and it's releasing the cap then afterwards. Right. <laughs> I think I think it's he's what he saw was like when you think of like close communities or, or even to a degree the uh, uh, like we see how the Amish deal with it uh, here here where we are is you know there's a, there becomes inbreeding and if you get too much of that. It's a problem. So, like for the Amish, they they go to Idaho or not, Ohio, the Amish out there, and they find their, you know, their mates like further away. Well, I think society had gotten so connected, even though it was on all these different planets, that the breeding stock was dying out, and that there wasn't enough uh, genetic differences. And that's what he saw us becoming extinct because of that. So, as a result, uh, you know, the scattering or whatever allows diversity. Huh. That's what I got. Yeah. No, but, I think I think it's all this is all good. And I I mean this book is working on multiple parallels, <laughs> not only for our society, but also uh in what it's saying about the society of Dune. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 But, so <laughs> So talk about where do we go from here? <laughs> yeah, it's like uh yeah, it's just it's just there's no doubt that this book certainly speaks on a philosophical level. Right. And you look at where does this play into our society? Uh, uh, Jim, you were saying it's greater than just the technology of society, but it's also, it's also a treatise of freedom. Uh, they have become, they wanted peace, but at what cost? Yeah. And, and, um, 
there's something in there that we just uh, like the, the, the and then the the tendency to bring people in that are rebellious and the way he kind of called them in is kind of interesting too. But yeah, I have to say the first time I read this book, something that I don't think unless you've read it recently, like you can really relate to is I read this book right before my father passed away. So my father passed away like a week before week or a week and a half before nine 11, something like that. So I read this book and I had all these ideas and thoughts of like government and religion and whatever. And I grew up in a, in a uh, tight knit, uh, like religious background. And then I went to a religious school and everything. And then, uh, so my father passed away and I was numb and I still had all these thoughts. And then nine 11 happened. And, uh, to me, it just opened all these doors of seeing, uh, mass manipulation at every turn. And just the way that, that the crowds, uh, society's thoughts and patterns were, were being pushed one way or another by different groups, like government or, you know, the news or whatever, and just kind of seeing. And, as much as it is, as it's hard to say, like that it was, uh, I felt emotionally detached from the whole situation, but I don't regret having this outlook at the time. I think it was very eye opening for me as, as a person. So mm. Mm. anyway, yeah. Um, what do you guys think of the fish speakers? We have to talk about them because they're kind of this, I envision them as kind of this new evolution of humanity. How so? Well, fish speakers. Why are they called fish speakers? Well, he says it's because the f- first priestess uh, pretended to speak to the fish to get wisdom. And that's why he calls them fish speakers. Yeah. It's his own joke. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, the, um, it's just it's, it's interesting. And the idea of an all-female army was interesting. I mean, it has, it has a lot of, I think good ideas i guess in that like i understand where he's coming not being a woman i mean but i get like what he's saying there and making society the child of the army or whatever right yeah well and and one of the reasons that the women were were the army is because they did not fight amongst themselves for for who was in the hierarchy who was supposed to be in charge and who wasn't they would just get orders and go do their job and come back. And they did yeah. they didn't expect any rewards for that. Uh it, they just had a job to do and they did it. Hmm. Yeah, uh I, I mean I agree. That that's it. that's exactly it. I mean Yeah. It, it, the whole views and then not only that, it's when they became restless, they didn't take it out on society. Yeah, it was. And that's what it, he felt. The yeah, males, males did. It was a lack of ego, I think that that uh, Leto explained was yeah. the reason for it. Right. Yeah. What yeah. about what? Let's talk about Manio. Yeah. Yeah. What are your opinions on this guy? <laughs> I think. That, I think at the end of the book, even though when he when he dies, he professes his. His caring for like his true belief in the in the God Emperor. I read it as he was becoming closer and closer to becoming the rebel again. Uh, in my mind, I mean, maybe I didn't read it properly, but oh, is that Maneo you're talking about? Yeah, Maneo. 
Okay, my, yeah, yeah, my internet hiccuped right as you said the name, and so I didn't catch oh. it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, I thought that he was he was getting closer and closer to being mania, uh, to being a rebel um, from from what he was. But then when he dies, like he expresses this true belief in in Leto and, and the Golden Path. Yeah, I the, to me he spent most of the book just trying not to get killed. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, he saw the worm. Yeah. And then here comes the worm. The worm's getting close to the surface. I'm out of here. You know, (laughs) I think it's funny that Leto, if he did, he doesn't really bring up the fact that I guess because he doesn't see the worm worm in himself until he gets mad at Mineo for for saying that in front of the fish speakers and acts out, pretends like the worm is coming and falsely attacks, doesn't actually want to kill him, but lands in front of him like a like a scare, like a pretend punch. Uh, I thought that was that was kind of his way of being like, oh, I get it now, what you think you see in me, but you, right. you don't get it, like I'm still your god or whatever. Right. It's uh, You know, he's an interesting character, and I... He seems to, probably more than any, other than his supposed future queen, and he never officially marries, um... Other than her, he seems to be the closest one to understanding Leto. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, so in that regards, he seems to have – he has bought into the idea of the golden path as he understands it. Yeah. But he's constantly challenged. One of the things that's interesting from Leto, Leto always pushes people out and where he th- they think they understand and they don't fully. Yeah. But, yeah. I, just to, oddly to hark back to, to to Leto for a second, when he's testing Siona, I, that's when, I, in my mind, you see a lot of drawings if you, on DeviantArt and whatever. If you if you Google God Emperor of Dune and you just go to the images, you will see a lot of different interpretations of of Leto, and a lot of them show from the waist up he's primarily still human. And reading the book, I never ever saw him as that because they say how tiny his legs are and his arms are just these puny little things that are on the side of him that aren't like proportionally in the right spot but nothing really to me seals the deal that these interpretations of uh, Leto are incorrect as much as when uh, he's in the desert with Siona and he's like come sleep in this hammock on the front of me so he's so big that the front of him can hold an adult woman like a bed. Yeah. Uh, And, and like, so that's, there are some pictures on there that actually do represent that type of Leto where he's this giant, not fully sized worm thing. And his arms are like most of the way down, but his head's just this really tiny thing on the top of this, of this body and kind of almost completely surrounded. See, I, I had a lot of trouble picturing what, what he would look like. Um, yeah. you know, the, the covers of the books just never really did it for me, you know, right. a worm with its mouth wide open and a face. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I've had a lot of trouble picturing what that would look like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the book, uh, God Emperor of Dune that I started with the paperback I felt that that was the closest. The only problem was that his head was 
more proportionate to the body, like it was bigger. Yeah. Uh, but some of these deviant arts that I've seen that actually look to me look like him, like it's a regular size human head just in the center of this giant like mass. So uh, Yeah. But Um, you know, the picture that you threw up of you don't have it here, but on face the Facebook picture that you yeah. have there is probably the c- closest picture I've seen to kind of what I picture. But even that, I picture the picture just that his face just kind of set into the body. Yeah, to me, that's not. I mean, that looks cool, but that's not what he. I mean, yeah. If you give me just a second, just, just Google God Emperor Dune and take a look at the. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at some of them here. now. Yeah. Um. Some of them, some of them are obviously way off base. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought too. It's like, where did you get this inspiration? But uh, some of the, I wonder if the 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 covers of some of Frank Herbert's books caught capture it a little bit more than some. Was it that? Was it this one? Uh, no, this one here was the most that I could. That one there. Yeah, look, look how tiny his face is, and his arms are way too big. But right, like this doesn't look like it to me at all. This doesn't either. Yeah, maybe this one I can't. Anyway, it's it's uh it's an interesting thing to look at. I mean, the way that different people imagined it when you really remember what a worm looks like and remember about how they actually they, they spent a decent be, time describing like that might be what he close. looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, with the little hands. And yeah, the that actually that looks that because because Manil even says like or in the gap that Siona. Uh, lays in he's like is that where the mouth of the worm will eventually emerge uh so i thought that was that was interesting but anyway i like so. this comic <laughs> universal domination in three steps hmm. girl plus worm yeah. equals girl worm <laughs> yeah well immortality but. Oh. um anyways uh so where are we out before worm sleeping bag yeah, we do need the worm sleeping bag. That's what, <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely need the worm. And we need that would be like a great picture. There is one. Don't someone doesn't someone make a worm sleeping bag? We do. I'm sure. Think Geek, get on that right yeah. now. <laughs> um, okay, well, we we've kind of rabbit trailed here a little bit. Any other characters or we really didn't talk about any scenes in this book. We talked a lot about the depth, the philosophy of it. Um Yeah. I don't I mean it has so hard to dive into just the philosophy. It's there's so much. I know. Uh, like if you, okay, so if you could pick one thing that this book tries to teach you, what, to talk about what just that you enjoyed, what would it be? Are we going into quotes now? Because that's kind of what it's going to capture for me. Like, <laughs> Maybe we should just go into quotes. I think we should because yeah. we're going we're gonna to capture philosophy and we've kind of talked about central characters. Yeah, and- there really aren't very many others. But like I said, this book takes takes place in like, a couple of months or right. weeks or something, and it's not a lot of characters going on. Right. There's obviously uh, we the Bene Gesserit, they should be at least honorably mentioned. Yeah, well, they're, then they're, Malky. Right. But he's barely in it. Right. And, uh, and the Bene Gesserit are in it, and they, they – there's just so much. But um, is there anything else we should talk about before we do quotes, Jim? What do you think? Um, no, not, nothing on my mind. All right, so let's go into some quotes here and maybe uh, delve into it. And uh, Jim, why don't you uh, start us off with a quote? Okay, I just have one anyway. Uh, it's about halfway through the book. Uh, Leto, uh, Leto and Duncan are 
talking, and Leto says, it says here, Leto smiled. Duncan, have I not told you that when you think you know something, that it is a most perfect barrier against learning? Yeah. yeah. And isn't that true? Oh, gosh. I run into it <laughs> every day. It's <laughs> like you say, teenagers, right? <laughs> you run into it. But, well, you know, I run into but, but But let's take even myself as a teacher, you know, I... I run up saying, okay, this is the way I understand to teach something. If I don't go into it each year saying, can I do this better? I, I, I limit myself how I can more effectively learn how to teach. Yeah. Well, here, and, here's a prime example in my, in, in my teaching career that happened. Uh, there was a trumpet player who did, who was working on a solo a month before our big contest, we went to a smaller contest. And she got a superior rating from the judge. So a month later, she didn't practice for a month. Okay. Oh, yeah. And when she went in uh, to the big contest and got uh, a good rating rather than superior, she was really angry. You know, she was angry at me. She was angry at the judge. But she's the one that didn't practice. But she said, why did I need to practice? I got a superior at the last contest. <laughs> yeah. You know, kid logic. Yeah. 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 Very, very true. And I, but I think that that's probably a great lesson to just remember in our lives. Period. Yeah. So mm -hmm. yeah. How about you, David? I've got, I've got two. Um, both of them are from the stolen journals. Of course. Some say I have no conscience. How fake they are even to, to themselves. I am the only conscience which has ever existed. As wine retains the perfume of its cask, I retain the essence of my most ancient genesis. And that is the seed of conscience. That is what makes me holy. I am God because I am the only one who really knows his heredity. Yeah. I just that kind of spoke to his, like, uh, you know, everything, basically everything that he was. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Given enough time for the generations to evolve, the predator produce partic produces particular survival adaptations in its prey, which, through the circular operation of feedback, produce changes in the predator, which again change the prey, etc., etc., etc. Many powerful forces do the same thing. You can you can count religion among such forces. Oh yeah, most definitely. Yeah, mm -hmm. those are good quotes. Uh, Ming Lord gave us a quote in the chat room we should share where, uh, and she said, I am a chip of a shattered flint enclosed in a box. The box gyrates and quakes. I'm tossed about in a storm of mysteries. And when the box opens, I return to this present like a stranger in a primitive land. Slowly, slowly I say, I relearn my name. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. I think that's talking about like when he dives into his past. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, one of my favorite quotes, and there's actually um, a lot. Um, uh, I'll share a few of them. Um, I found this an interesting quote. When I need to identify rebels, I look for men with principles. Mm -hmm. You know, people that are willing to stand by their principles. Uh, so many, so few people are willing to stand by their principles or what they believe these days. And who but, better than a rebel who's going to go against society for it? Yeah. Um, I have uh, three others. Can I share them? Yeah. Okay. So um, this wise man observed that wealth is a tool of freedom, but the pursuit of wealth is a way to slavery. 
That's like one of those Confucius sayings, yeah, you know, a little bit there. It'd be on a fortune cookie, right? Right. <laughs> uh, another one that's probably should be on a fortune cookie. The truth always carries the ambiguity of the words used to express it. There's a lot of there's a lot of talk about that in the book too, oh. just about words and yeah, expressing things and how it changes what you're expressing. Well, yeah, when this goes back to the whole rewriting of history, yeah, which they kind of yeah. deal with. You know, he writes a lot of the histories and. Mm-hmm. Um, one last one. Um, most civilization is based on cowardice. It's so easy to civilize by teaching cowardice. You water down the standards, which would lead to bravery. You restrain the will. You regulate the appetites. You fence in the horizons. You make a law for every movement, every moment. Movement, sorry. You deny the existence of chaos. You teach even the children to breathe slowly. You tame. Yeah. I remember re- I read that last night. And I was yeah, like, Ooh. oh yeah, it's 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 eerie. I mean, I just look at okay, I look at my son, right? I love my son dearly. Um, he doesn't without medication. He would not fit very well in a traditional school system. So he's he's been classified as ADHD, uh, and so he's on. I don't know. He's on Ridland's one of the medicines. He's on another one, but all to make him fit. This idea that he should behave a certain way and learn a certain way. Yeah. I struggle with that as a parent mm-hmm. um, and as a teacher because I know that I expect my students sitting in my classroom to behave a certain way. And to, and to learn a certain and way. And to, cer- to learn a certain way. And you know, I teach a certain way. Um, but not everyone fits into that. And I, and I understand that from a theoretical standpoint. Mm-hmm. But – as a teacher, I'd be a nightmare to try and teach yeah. that sort of thing. So, yeah. I, you know, I catch, but I understand this. And I understand this idea that to control, to tame, to weed out, to get people to follow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but. Well, outside of the quotes, uh, one of the parts of the book that was probably my favorite, because I actually went, ha, out loud okay. in the theater where I was, uh, was when Mania was was talking with his uh, assistant, and she comes in and he says, those fingers, perfect for playing the lute. And then he allows <laughs> her to play the lute in the other room and says, maybe someday she'll move up to a ballast set. That's right. And I just, I just <laughs> started laughing. I was like, ah, I never thought that we would actually see lute in Dune. I know, it's like I know. Jim's been vindicated. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yep. See, she would move up. She she would move up much faster to the ballast set if she got lessons from, from Jim. Jim, yeah. Jim, if Jim would have been in the book, <laughs> if Frank Herbert would have contacted Jim, he could have, she could have accelerated yeah. her learning. Yeah, I just wasn't thinking ahead. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I I I picked up on the loot thing. <laughs> pretty pretty fast too, and I started chuckling, and I said, "Oh, I'm gonna catch it now." <laughs> uh, yep, yeah. yep, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, I have I have one other quote I want to share. Sure, can I share, sure. Can I yeah. share one more quote? Yeah, go ahead. The difference between and I, I thought this was a great dialogue about administration. That he, when he had it, the difference between a good administrator and a bad one is about five heartbeats. Good administrators <laughs> make immediate choices. They usually can be made to work. A bad administrator, on the other hand, hesitates. Uh, diddles around, asks for committees, for research, for reports, eventually acts in ways that create serious problems. 
A bad administrator is more concerned with reports and with decision. He wants a hard record where he can display as an excuse for his errors. <laughs> oh, they depend on verbal orders. They never lie about what they've done if their verbal orders are caused problems. And they surround themselves with people with the ability to act wisely on the basis of verbal orders. Often, the most important piece of information is that something has gone wrong. Bad administrators hide their mistakes until it's too late to make corrections. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just think about how long it takes for the wheel of administration, just an education, to turn. Yeah. And five heartbeats. Yeah, it can turn pretty That's darn it. quick. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's oh. it's kind of it's kind of unfortunate that our administrators uh in education seem to be forced into being politicians also. Yeah, and I, I have a lot of respect for the administrators at our school, I should say that. And yeah. um, there's a there's a lot that they hand down that has been forced upon them. Yeah. And exactly. I I uh think before I become an administrator I take gasoline, pour it over myself and light myself on fire. But then you'll be a minute. Then after that, then I'd be a martyr. Then I'd be yeah, remembered be forever. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, I guess should we move on into the poll? Is that where we're at? Are yeah, we, let's, are, let's do the poll. Let's, let's do uh, the poll here. Start wrapping up. Here. Yeah, I have I have the poll. Where did I have the poll? I have the poll somewhere. Here's the poll. So the poll in in, in last in last month was. Which path would which path, if I can speak here, would you choose? Would you take Paul's path? So he kind of forsakes the golden path, right? Um, or would you take Leto's golden path? Now we obviously are looking at it now, three thousand years later, and that perspective maybe has changed. Yeah. But um where did all where did you guys end up? What what did you vote for? Uh, uh, it's so hard because I would like to say I would take Leto's path. I mean, that was my choice when I took the poll. Yeah, I did. I did. I did Leto's. But then, when you really think about all that he sacrificed, all the, all the, like the strength that 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 took from him personally to to just live that long, man, Madib yeah. might have had the right choice. But well, I guess the question is, would you be willing to follow it or lead it? Because those are very different. Things. Oh yeah, yeah, it's true. Very different things. Jim, how about you? It, it, isn't there a third choice? I mean, no, seriously, no. <laughs> not not, not no. for this poll. And, and I, I am the same thing with David. I would not want to be as despotic as Paul became, or disconnected, maybe as Paul was, but, um. Knowing what what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen, uh, you know, I wouldn't really want that path either. But I, I think I, if I have to choose between one of the two, I would have to go with Leto's path also. Yeah. Hmm. Well, oh, I guess we should say that the uh, Leto's path did win by a few votes. Okay. So. All right. So I just got out of the percentages of it, but it won by I think it was I think it was three or four votes. Yeah, head was up. So it was a close. It was a close race, but uh, more people picked Leto's path. Okay. Yeah. So we have we have a we have a poll for next month. We do have a poll for the next month, and and Roland of course sent that in. Roland was in the chat room. I don't know if he's still there. He's a little bit quiet tonight. If he is, Um, uh, and as we mentioned here, we do when we do these. 
we record live and there is a chat room that kind of uh, follows along with us at dunesagapodcast.com backslash live. Uh, so the poll for this upcoming month uh, is this. And let me just read his little bit of a preface for it. He says, I didn't realize how many actors changed between the two miniseries. This made the list longer than I thought it'd be. I tried to pick out the ones I thought were important, but if you see any notable omissions, please add them. Also, if you feel any of the ones I listed are insignificant enough to remove, feel free to remove them. So it's which is, do we do this poll before? We didn't do this poll before, did we? This is, this is the, which is your favorite actor character combination from Dune and the children Dune and miniseries? Did we do that one before? Uh, we did one that was like a combination, uh, I think that this is a February third, so I assume. It's I so thought true. it was the actor and the the actor, yeah, and the actor character and from the eighty four dude. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So all right. So let's go ahead and um, what's your favorite actor character combination from the Dune and Children of Dune miniseries? So here's a list, and I'll just read down through the list. And it may be slightly altered by the time it gets up onto the poll, but yeah. it'll be close. Alec Newman as Paul Atreides, William Hurt as Duke Leto Atreides, Susan Sarandon as Prince Princess Wansika Carino, uh, James McAvoy as Leto Atreides II, S- uh, Sakia Reeves as Lady Jessica, the Dune miniseries, Alice Kring as Lady Jessica, children of Dune miniseries, so we have two different ones there. Barbara uh, Ketova as Cheney. Uwe, I'm going to mispronounce his name, uh, Ushenk <laughs> Neck as Stilgar in the Dune miniseries. <laughs> Stephen Burkoff as Stilgar in Children of Dune miniseries. Uh, Giancarlo Gianni as Padishah Emperor Saddam Carino IV. Julie Cox as Princess Irlan. Zuzana Jisorova. I just totally botched that name. So look <laughs> it up. It'll be there as Reverend Mother Gaius uh, Helen Mahayam. Uh, Daniela um, Amavia as Aliyah Atreides, Children of Dune miniseries. P.H. Morty as Gurney Halleck. James Watson as Duncan Idaho, Dune miniseries. Edward Adderton as Duncan Idaho, Children of Dune miniseries. Jessica Brooks as Ganima Atreides. Uh, Ian McNeese as Baron uh, Vladimir Harkonnen, uh, Lazo Kish as Glossu Raban, Matt Kessler as Fade Rautha, and Jonathan Braun as uh, Faradin Carino. Faradin Carino. So so those are totally my butchering of names here. But um, (laughs) so this is a list here. And. We'll see how see how it goes. Uh, welcome, Bridge of uh, Rethgar. He chose Petrode the Pauls. So, uh, I'm not going to hire you to be a translator ever. Yeah, don't please don't ask me. Don't ask me to read like stuff out loud on the spot if there's tons of names in it because I will do terrible at it. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So that is our poll for this next month. So you can join us and. Uh, yeah. Look for that poll popping up on one of the episodes after our listener feedback episode gets out. Right, which will happen. So, uh, yeah, uh, so that pretty much brings us to the end. Yep, it should. We're Wait starting a, a little bit over Wait an hour here. Whoa, whoa, Uh-oh. whoa, Time whoa, whoa. Out. 
What about our ratings, guys? Oh, we didn't give a rating. Oh, my gosh. Oh, we forgot the ratings. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Jim, he's a teacher. He wants to rate everything. So, uh, Jim, why don't you start since you brought it up? Okay, I will. And I I really, really like this book. Um, I'm giving it a 4.5. Because four point five, yeah, because it it just had a little of everything in it, uh, stuff to think about, a good story, um, some pretty fast action most uh, a lot of the time. Um, just it just had a lot of a lot of really good stuff in it. Yeah, Scott. Four point five. I agree with Jim. Really, I really did enjoy this book. It. The fact that I question how much I liked later the second throughout it and um, how I felt about him meant that I was engaged in the character and deciding on what I thought about his choice in life. And uh, the fact that I could not put this book down when I was reading it toward the end was a really good sign. So not the five out of five, but it was a pretty darn good book. Okay. All right. I've got five out of five and... If it was like a thermometer, it would be like almost bursting uh, over on my side, just just about there. So I love this book. I love the fact that I read it the second time, loved it just as much as the first time, still felt like I was learning all these new things. Uh, the only thing that was a downside is that I knew how it was going to end. Uh, but other than that, I still thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this book. I, and I, I will read it again at some point. And I'll still keep referring to like things in it for the rest of my life. I'm sure. Right, right, right. So, yeah. All right. There you go. Ratings. Yeah. So you can let us know your ratings too by uh, writing in and emailing us for our listener feedback episodes. Yeah, you can you can email us at dunesagapodcast at gmail dot com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook dot com slash dunesagapodcast as well as on Twitter. Podcast. Yeah. Uh, you can call our hotline and leave a voicemail if you want. The number for that is one two six zero five seven seven chat. One two six zero five seven seven two four two eight. We'll get that number in. That's you can also right. send an MP three as well, recording. Easy to do from an iPhone or Android device. And you can just uh, email that to the Dunsaga Podcast at gmail.com. That's right. That's right. Now, I want to say a special thank you to those who are supporting us on Patreon. Absolutely. Uh, very, very nice of you to do that. Um, if you are enjoying the show and would like to help us uh, continue doing what we're doing uh, financially, you can check out uh, patreon.com slash Podcast. And there we have a uh, monthly uh, subscription with different, different rewards on it and stuff if you uh, would uh, like to help support us. So... Um, that's a great option. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I believe that's about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So for the Dune Soccer Podcast, I'm David Moulton. Um, oh, wait, we can't end yet. Oh. We can't end because we didn't talk about the next book and oh, what we're expecting right. in the oh. next book. So what's oh, the next book? I don't book? have the notes in front of me. I'm I know. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my own fault. <laughs> right, right. Here, here. So, <laughs> but um, what is what is the next book that we're heading here? Next book is... Heretics of Dune, right? Uh, yeah, early. Like, uh, <laughs> chat, room, chat room's going to like hate us and say, "Scroll down on the side." Of the oh, thing. right here. Uh, yeah, I always, I always forget if it's heretics. Her- her- yeah, it's heretics in the chapter house. Yeah, so, so heretics of Dune's our next one. What are we expecting in heretics? 
a whole new world. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I'm expecting it. I, I, if I remember, there's a jump in time again, and I'm expecting to see uh, how Dune has changed, is changing back to a desert. Yeah. So. Um, you said it's a bridge, so I'm expecting it to be a bridge between the two worlds. So. Yeah. yeah. How about Jim? Any, any uh, thoughts from you? Um, gosh, heretics. Well, I would imagine there's going to be some heretical activity. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> That's deep. <laughs> no, uh, actually, I, I don't. I don't know. Just uh, probably see what what comes between uh, Duncan and Siona, and what is built on that. Pretty much. Yeah, I'm just looking. I'm just looking yeah. for the uh, there's the, ten there's there's ten thousand years between the books. Right, right. I'm oh. just looking for like now that since humanity's evolved, like creatures have evolved, there to be like big hairy ticks running around. Dude, <laughs> I think it's gonna be great. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I yeah. Thanks, uh, Rick, in the chat room. Just just reminded the ten thousand years. Yeah. Is so the, is the time. So if there are ten thousand years, I imagine uh, everything will have started all over again and there'll be more wars and more killing and that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how the Atreides bloodline changes things and, and stuff. So uh, have, think, have you read the book, Jim? Have you read heretics again? Uh, many, many, many years ago. And I remember absolutely nothing about it. I can't remember. It. I could, I can never remember if you read all of them or if you stopped at God Emperor. No, I did. Uh, I, I know did. that you stopped it. Children. I, I stopped the children. No, I did read. So. I did read through up through Chapter House. I had never ever read any of the uh, uh, Brian and Kevin books prior to to doing this show, but I had read all right. of Frank Herbert's books. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, um, well, that takes us to the end. Am I right yeah, this time? I think so. Am I right this time? Okay. Uh, so, for the Dune Saga Podcast, I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And may Shai Halud clear the path before you. Mm-hmm.